Friday of the year. This is Wes Bryant. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Hit those social media buttons. I hadn't forgot. You shouldn't either. Hit that follow button, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram at Wes Bryant underscore 72 at Walker Mail at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter or Instagram, and most importantly, the Wesson Walker handle on Twitter. And as we come back, the Clemson Tigers have just punched it in on Kentucky. They are up 10-7 to in the Tax Slayer Bowl from Jacksonville, Florida. So the Tigers handling business right now. And let's get into that and some more ACC talk, college football playoff talk in the campus. Kona! That was a good one. That you was like good. that one? Yeah, that was a good All one. All right, appreciate Save that, that man. You know, we got to make sure we always compliment each other. Uh, <laughs> NC State fell victim to Kansas State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We talked about it. I did the highlights where you can catch those highlights and all the other ACC games on the ACC Digital Network. So I watched that game start to finish where Avery Johnson, no, he didn't have David Robinson and Tim Duncan out there with him, but he was the quarterback for Kansas State. Gray hair, by the way, uh, as well. He had 178 yards passing, two touchdowns. And then uh, Giddens from Kansas State, the running back, DJ Giddens, that is, uh, rushed for 152 yards and a score. It was a strange game. Brennan Armstrong had 285 total yards, a rushing score. NC State took a fake punt to get him on the board. Trent Penix took that 60 yards to the house. KC Concepcion had one of those all-around games. He used to him having seven catches over 90 all-purpose yards. So they got him involved, but not as much as I feel like he could have to impact this football game. But they beat a K-State team that they held to 415 uh, on third downs. And then K-State had some some weird, they had two scores called back where they had a punt return uh, that went to the house that got called back. Then they had another touchdown they had got called back before they finally put it in to uh, finish off NC State and NC State again, you know, doesn't finish with the 10 wins that they set out for. That's been that mark that Dave Doran's been uh, reaching for. But how disappointing is this loss, in your opinion, for NC State? I think it is. Or is it? Well, no, I I do think it is a little disappointing, and I think it does kind of go down to what you were talking about at the end. They clearly would have a double-digit win season. I think there is something when you reach that mark for you to be able to brag about. And the fact that you weren't able to do it, despite having, you know, you mentioned the Concepcion, you mentioned Brennan Armstrong, who had been playing a lot better as what he comes in the last month of the college football season. You'd like to get this one um, under your belt. And you play Kansas State, who's also a good football team. So it would have come with some prowess here. It's not mm-hmm. like you would have beat up on some bad matchup that the committee gave you just because. No, this was one of the more exciting ones that I think we had going into bowl season, especially with the Pop-Tarts Bowl being what the Pop-Tarts Bowl showed us it can be all about. Yeah, I think it is a little disappointing. It doesn't ruin uh, the second half surge that you had this past year, but certainly 
certainly would like to end on a high note against the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, you know, no Peyton Wilson back there on that defense. I thought that he would play. He seemed like a guy that would be one of those. I got to go out on my sword for my team, but he didn't play. So, obviously, that hurt that defense. Kansas State racked up 436 yards. But still, all in all, from where NC State was at the midpoint of this season to where they finished, I think they have a lot to hold their heads up about. And with the reinforcement that they're bringing in uh, through the transfer portal with Grayson McCall and some of those guys that they've got, man, I think the future's bright uh, in Raleigh. I'm sure Fitty's uh, excited about that. The Miami Hurricanes, uh, even though they outgained Rutgers yesterday, 311 to 292 uh, from a yardage standpoint, they held Rutgers to 84 yards rushing, but they still lose the game uh, 31 to 24. So the Canes aren't able to get the job done there. And then Boston College uh, gets a win for the ACC 23 to 14 over future ACC rival uh, SMU. So all of that's fine and dandy, but let's get to the big dog stuff, okay? College football playoff this weekend, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. Let's talk about it, all right? Let's start this thing out with who do we like in the first game of the day between Michigan and Alabama. And let's give you a little bit of background on each of these teams. Michigan has had a lead of 14 points or more for 897 snaps this year, 58% of the snaps that they have played. Not only did Michigan go 13-0 and beat opponents by an average of 27 points per game, including the Big Ten championship game, they won their conference game by an average of 27 points per game. And when you go and look at Alabama, well, one thing they've got that's an advantage, whole St. Nick. No other coach in this year's field has even won a playoff game before, let alone won a national championship in the college football playoff format. In his 17th season, Saban has never gone three straight years without winning the national championship. His time is due. When you look at it from that aspect, and this is an explosive Alabama team. They've got 39 completions of at least 25 yards. So Jalen Milrow has definitely been putting it down the field. you got to watch for his legs. Who do we like in this game? I'll start with you, Walker. Yeah, I think I I want to go Michigan, but it's always tough to go against Nick Saban. Boogie man, man. What about Jalen Milrow feeling himself in the postgame press conference? Not postgame, excuse me, but just leading up to this game where Jalen is telling you about Bill O'Brien, telling him that he wasn't a good quarterback. I think he just flat out said Bill O'Brien said to Jalen that you suck. And he's now (laughs) using that to pound his chest. Look where I am now. I get the last laugh. It does feel like Jalen Milrow has a lot of confidence heading into this one. And that's exactly what you want from that guy. After also watching him beat Auburn with that incredible throw on fourth and forever, and then say, I'm the Heisman. We don't have to believe it, Wes. We don't have to believe that Jalen is the Heisman or the best quarterback maybe in this game because McCarthy's been good when they've asked him to throw the football. But a confident quarterback that's real mobile, throwing the ball a lot better alongside Nick Saban, you're damn right that scares me. I'm going to go Michigan, but I think we get a great football game, and I don't feel good about my prediction. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Fitty, what you got, baby? I think we get one of the best playoff games we've ever gotten in the playoff era. The game's at the Rose Bowl. This game breeds, um, you know, it brings out the best in, in, in the two teams. It feels like it's Michigan's time. If not now, when? Your third straight year in the playoff, second straight year you've been there undefeated. If Jim Harbaugh can't get it done this year, will he ever get it done in an expanded playoff field? I think not. I think they're motivated with the scandal, his numerous suspensions during the season. I think they play pissed off. 
I think they beat Bama in a fun 28-24 game. And last thing, it's not like Michigan's offense has been explosive down the line. Like the last four games when you played two ranked teams, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, three ranked teams out of the four, the most points you scored was 31 against Maryland. I mean, in college football, you see 40 a lot. I think when you get to 40, that's when you're considered an, an explosive offense. And they don't have to ask J.J. McCarthy a lot to go win them the football game because usually it's the defense and the running game that we've seen from Corum in the past. And so I think there are some things that Alabama can take advantage of, and I expect them to with Nick Saban being a good head coach. I, it's funny. Every point I make is for Alabama to upset Michigan, and yet I just go with the Wolverines. I know it makes no sense, but thus is my analysis of the first playoff game we get. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Alabama as well. I'll call him the boogeyman. Oh, you are going with Alabama yeah, to win. Gotcha. The worst I'm thing, going to Michigan. But yeah, the worst Alabama. thing that could have happened was for Alabama to get into the playoffs and to do so by beating the Georgia Bulldogs, the team that everybody felt like had officially taken over the SEC, which they had in some ways, and college football too. This was a team that almost you know, had a 30-plus game win streak. And so for Alabama to beat them coming into this, I think they are just oozing with confidence. Uh, I think they are ready to go. And so I'm going to go with uh, Alabama in that football game. And so now when we take a look at Washington and Texas, over the last two games, Texas has averaged 595 yards of offense and 53 points. The defense has allowed an average of just 239 yards and 14 total points in that stretch. The Longhorns are 18th in offensive efficiency, 7th in defensive efficiency, and 20th in special teams efficiency, joining Alabama as the only teams to rank among the top 20 in all three categories. So this is a very dangerous Texas team. And when you look at Washington, you know what they bring to the table. Michael Penix tied for the top mark in the nation with 33 completions of 15 or more air yards beyond the sticks, and 11 of those have gone for touchdowns. We know about Roma Dunze with his big-time season, 1,429 yards, 1,428, excuse me. Uh, Jalen Polk, his counterpart, has 1,000 yards receiving uh, as well. And you know I love to play up front. The Huskies' offensive line won the 2023 Joe Moore Award given to the nation's best unit up front. They allowed only .85 sacks per game. You'd love to have that offensive line here in Carolina, wouldn't you? Tied for fourth nationally and 3.54 tackles for loss allowed per contest. Tied for fifth nationally. I'll start this thing off. I love what Washington's doing up front with their offensive line, but defensively, I just can't trust them. Texas is pretty nasty up front yep. with those big brisket-eating boys up there, you know what I'm saying, ready to handle business, especially on that interior. Texas is one of those teams that, like the SEC and the Clemsons of the world, recruit in the trenches very well, especially defensive line. I'm going to go with Texas. I love Quinn Ewers, uh, the way that he's playing now that he's back. In my opinion, throws some of the best deep passes uh, out there. And so I like them a lot. And nationally, he's eighth in completion percentage, 10th in pass efficiency. Give me the Longhorns. Washington just continues to win one-score games. And to say one-score games doesn't even do it justice. They continue to win field goal games. At some point, the luck has to drop, right? Like, I'm not even saying all of it's luck, but some of it is when you talk about a Washington State contest where Michael Penix almost throws a game-sealing interception for the Cougars. That stuff has happened, but luck has broken their way. Against Oregon, they find a way to compete, and that was the game where 
We saw Bo Nix winning the Heisman if they get that victory. We all called it going into that matchup. And we saw Oregon making the college football playoff. But Washington just wasn't having it. I, the one-score game stuff scares me. I'm with you, Wes. I think Texas ends up winning. I think they have been playing a lot better on both sides of the ball. It doesn't matter if you're playing Oklahoma State in order to get into the college football playoff. Kansas State is the last real tough matchup that they've had outside of the Cowboys game. They had to get into the top four, and they won by a field goal. So maybe it's just because the schedule hasn't been as tough as what Washington's has. That's for sure. I just think they're playing so well. Like This is all eye test for me. I'm sorry for all the people that hate those words from the committee, but you're getting it from the Walker committee. And the Walker committee tells you <laughs> the eye test says Texas is a better football team right now. Biddy, who do you trust? The most? Yeah, I mean, look, Washington's been a fun story. They, they they play a really fun brand of football. Texas has lost their quarterback at times. They lost their starting running back at times. Did not miss a beat. The way that Sarkeesian built this program up in three years has been uh, nothing short of fascinating and amazing. I think Texas is back. I think they beat Washington in a shootout. Give me the Longhorns 48-38. All right. And so which quarterback would we say that we trust the most? Or which quarterback do you trust the most, Walker Mill? And a plus, because this is as good of a, a quartet of quarterbacks as we had, whether you're talking J.J. McCarthy, Jalen Milrow, Quinn Ewers, and Michael Penix. I want to go Penix, but I just referenced that Washington State game that it didn't necessarily happen for him. Milrow just has so much confidence. Oh, God, this one's tough. It I is. Think, I think the QB that I trust more, I think because Penix has been in so many of these situations all year long, I think Penix is the guy that I go with. I think because of also he's an older QB. So if you talk about older QB, has a lot of experience in one-score games, down to the wire. We know about how beautiful his deep ball is. I think Penix is the guy that I go with. But, man, I would not argue with either one of these guys if you wanted to say that's the answer. For my quarterback that I trust the most, I'm going to go with Quinn Ewers because he's the only one of these guys that's beaten a team in this field. He went into Alabama. He didn't get them in the friendly confines of Austin, Texas. He went in to Alabama, and he took care of business. Finished the year with 26 TDR, even though – he did suffer some injuries. Who knows where the stats could have gone. 70% of his passes are completed. I'm going to go with him. I love Jalen Milrow as well, but Alabama's trailed in nine of his 13 games, even though they've won eight of those contests. But the one game that they did lose that they couldn't get by was Quinn Ewers and the Texas Longhorns. Who you got, Fitty? Yeah, I'm going to take J.J. McCarthy, the one guy that's quarterbacked his team to back-to-back undefeated regular seasons and only guy that's in the playoff that has playoff experience that matters. He'll make the throws that the other quarterbacks won't. Does that make sense that I picked Texas, but also picked Michael Penix as the quarterback I trust the most? <laughs> hey, you're your own committee. Okay. You do whatever you want. You the Walker committee. committee has spoken. Whether it's sensical or not, the Walker committee has spoken.